on this episode of Catholics in the Capital. Dr. Margaret Milady, the president of the Federation of the Order of Malta, Father Jack Hurley, and Dan Dan, the radio man, things to do while visiting Washington, D.C. All this and more, stay tuned. Catholics in the Capital starts right now. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Christina Cox, and welcome to Catholics in the Capital. And you are listening to Guadalupe Radio Network at WMET 1160 AM. I'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas and especially to all our friends in Virginia, Maryland, and Washington, D.C. And thank you all for tuning in today. I don't know about you, but I'm still enjoying the Christmas season. It's a land of evergreen trees, twinkling lights, and beautiful nativities. Who doesn't like the colors of Christmas and those beautiful red poinsettias and green wreaths? Not to mention the great holiday cooking, but most of all, beyond the scent and the traditions is the meaning of Christmas. It is so beautiful as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his mother Mary. If this is the first time that you're tuning in and you you don't want to miss our show, Catholics in the Capital, it's a unique radio show that takes us inside the lives of Catholic leaders and ordinary Christian people working and living or visiting Washington, D.C. Our unique radio hour explores the meaning of faith and walking through the storms of life. We learn what it means to have faith in God by listening to others tell their stories. And for all of you that are having doubts about your life and you need to be inspired, then this is the show for you, Catholics in Capital, every Friday at 1 o'clock. A little bit about me. I learned many of these fascinating Christian stories when I first moved to Washington, D.C. I was researching in the libraries of Georgetown University and Catholic University of America for my book called Catholics in Washington, D.C., I discovered the rich Catholic history, which started here in Baltimore, when Archbishop John Carroll was the first Archbishop of the United States, right up to the signing of the Declaration of Independence by Charles Carroll, a devout Catholic who was one of the founding fathers and helped form our nation's capital. You will find my book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, and you will not believe how many Catholic organizations and beautiful churches there are in the tri-state area. You're going to want to stay tuned and meet our very special guest today, Dr. Margaret Milady, and she is the president of the Federation Association of the Sovereign Order of Malta. She is also the vice chair of the Board of Trustees of the Catholic Distance University and a member of the Board of Governors of the School of Diplomacy and an author of many books. She was married to Thomas P. Milady, an icon in diplomacy. He was an ambassador, and Tom was a friend of mine. He was my mentor when I first moved here. He was very kind to me when I first came to Washington, D.C. He even introduced me to Cardinal Whirl, and we honored him together at the Embassy of Italy. He was the former U.S. ambassador to the Holy See, and he was appointed under President George H. Bush. And later, Tom was the U.S. ambassador to Burundi and also ambassador to Uganda. Together, Margaret and Tom traveled the world together, writing books, and lived in a world of diplomacy, politics, and the Roman Catholic Church. 
She will share with us her extraordinary life and role as a wife and mother in diplomatic relations, and then her life today as president of the Knights of Malta. So later we're going to learn about the Knights of Malta. We often see them in certain high masses. I saw them a couple of weeks ago at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception, and they wear these beautiful, stunning black cloaks, distinguished black hats with the white trim, and they march down the aisles right before the mass starts. It's really something to see. Today, the Order of Malta is active in 120 countries, and it takes care of people in need in the medical, social, and humanitarian works. They do a day-to-day, a broad spectrum of social projects and provide a constant support for the forgotten and excluded members of society. They're especially involved in helping people, living in the midst of arms conflicts and natural disasters by providing medical assistance, caring for refugees, and distributing medicines and basic equipment for survival. The Order Diplomatic Network strengthens its relationship with governments around the world in which it operates. The network allows its medical programs to be integrated into the national and regional healthcare systems and facilitates the importing of healthcare equipment to reach people in need. The Knights of Malta's headquarters now reside in Rome. So you're gonna wanna hear all about and stay tuned and listen to the incredible life of Dr. Margaret Milady and the Knights of Malta. Joining us later will be Dan, Dan the Radio Man, and we will see what is new and what's happening and things to do while visiting Washington, D.C. Later at the bottom of the hour, Our friend Father Jack Hurley will be back, and he's from the Cathedral of St. Matthews, and he will share some prayers and reflections about saints. So stay tuned. You're listening to Catholics in the Capitol on WMET 1160 AM on your dial. I will be right back with our special guest. Instead of fighting the crowds, isn't it so much easier to hop online and do your shopping in the comfort of your own home? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you shop online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to AmazonSmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give a little extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network. A message from the website CatholicSexuality.com. We all want a happy life with love, joy, and peace. An understanding of God's gift of sexuality is important to achieve our goals. Our website is in complete harmony with church teaching of God's gift, which beautifully leads to the happiness we seek. So come spend some time with us. Watch our videos alone or with loved ones. There are no charges. CatholicSexuality.com On the 22nd of each month, come to the St. John Paul II National Shrine for Evenings with Merciful Jesus. All are welcome to join the Sisters of Our Lady of Mercy for adoration with praise and worship, confession, a talk by one of the sisters, and a small group reflection. Recognize that God's mercy is greater than our sins, so that we call upon Him with trust, receive His mercy, and let it flow through us to others. For more information, go to jp2shrine.org. That is jp2shrine.org. Welcome back to Catholics in the Capital. Here's your host, Christina Cox. 
Hi, welcome back. This is Christina Cox and Catholics in the Capitol. And today I have a very special guest and a friend called Dr. Margaret Milady. And she is the president of the Federal Association of the Order of Malta, former president of American University of Rome. And also she was the director of the corporate communications of United Illuminating and has had a rich life as the wife of Ambassador Thomas Patrick Milady. And we're going to explore some very interesting things about her extraordinary life. So today, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you, Christine. It's a delight to be here. Well, thank you. You know, I'd like to start off by talking about when you were married to uh, Thomas Patrick Milady for 52 years. That's a long <laughs> marriage, a long time. Yes. What a great couple the two of you were, both presidents of universities and did so many things, wrote so many books together. So a lot of our listeners out here who have never had the chance to meet you and hear all the wonderful things about your lives together, I thought today we can talk a little bit about what it was like when Tom and you were married, especially I was thinking about in 1989 when Tom, your husband, was the U.S. ambassador to Holy See and appointed under President George Bush. What was it like living in Rome and your responsibilities back then? It was really very exciting to, um, and, a, and an honor, really, to be asked to go to the Vatican uh, representing President Bush. It was an exciting time because Pope John Paul II was very vigorous then, and he was very much involved in uh, what was happening on the political scene in Europe. For example, um, we were there when the Berlin Wall fell. We were there when Yugoslavia broke up. Wow. Um, we we had an interesting uh, first uh, first experience that first year. Our first Christmas, we went and we had our daughters there, and we went to um, the Christmas Eve mass, and where mass started, and all of a sudden someone comes in to tap my husband on the shoulder, saying, "You need to leave." right now really because we need to talk to you or or the state department wants to talk to you the white house wants to talk to you well noriega if you recall from yes. panama had entered the embassy of the vatican there in panama seeking refuge and we wanted noriega <laughs> at the time the us did and so um, they were very concerned. They wanted to make sure that he wasn't going to stay in the embassy very long, that they would be able to apprehend him and to bring him to trial. So they said, you've got to get to the pope. And of course, my husband says, well, the pope is saying mass right now, exactly. Christmas mass. I, that, you know, that's not going to be possible. <laughs> But at any rate, uh, he did come back into the Mass. I didn't know anything, of course, that was going on at the time. I had stayed there. Um, he came back into the Mass, and he was able to see the Cardinal Secretary of State as the Cardinal Secretary of State was exiting from the Mass. So he was able to get the message there, and, and they worked on that for a while. And the Vatican was very, very... Um, as always, the Vatican took its time, was very deliberate, and said, don't worry about it. You know, this will all work out. Work out. Yeah. 
Okay. And it did. And that was just one instance. So yeah. I imagine so there, was there were many, many other instances going that were just on. wonderful. Especially yeah. you talked about the Berlin Wall. Yeah. Tell us about yeah. that. Well, just the fact that Pope John Paul had been so interested in making sure that uh, the Eastern Europeans were going to be able to be free again and, and free in order to uh, really to practice their faith. And that was a, a very important part of his mission. Yes. And, and seeing that happen. And even in Yugoslavia, he, he actually was one of the first leaders to say, this is their culture. This is their culture. The Croatians, the Slovenians, these are their, this is their culture, and they need to be free. Yes. So, so there was this relationship between President Bush and the president. What, did they get along, or how was... Um, I mean, between the Pope and the president, how, how was the oh, relationship? Oh, fabulously, really. They got along very, very well. We had very good relationships. Um, when President Bush came, uh, he was, uh, it was really quite, quite wonderful. Normally, when the Pope and the president meet, they meet alone, and which they did. And then uh, they come out, and then there was an agreement that the seminarians and, and a few other people, in, uh, Catholics in, uh, that were living in Rome, would be able to greet the president after this. And so they had set this up in the Vatican in a separate room. And normally the pope would say goodbye to the president, and then the president would be taken to this other room to meet the American seminarians. Mm -hmm. Well, the pope went with the president. And the Pope introduced the president. <laughs> so they so had just, a very, very good relationship. That's so wonderful. Yeah. I mean, you wrote a book about Pope John Paul called mm -hmm. The Rhetoric of Pope John Paul, The Pastoral Visit as a New Vocabulary of the Sacred. What inspired you to write the book and tell us what it's about? Well, I did something a little different. Um, as the wife of the ambassador. Um, when I arrived, I had been in corporate work and I had been working um, at, you know, for a number of years in that, in that kind of a position. So when I got to Rome, I said to my husband, well, you know, unlike other posts which we had had, you know, the spouse is very, very active with the wives and the families and various uh, charities. Well, the Vatican's different, you know. <laughs> I'm so sure it is. I wouldn't be, you know, obviously active in those re in that respect. So, um, so I decided to go back to school, and I decided to enter the uh, Pontifical University, the Gregorian Pontifical University, the Jesuit University there, and I enrolled with my for my doctorate. That's amazing. So I started to study while I was there, and then it was suggested to me that I do my dissertation on Pope John Paul II. And since I was in the area of social communications, that's what I did. One and, and then I turned it into a book. So um, it was fascinating because I think Pope John Paul, even though he was not the first pope to start international travel, Pope Paul VI was, Pope John Paul II really made it a mark of his uh, papacy. And that was the way he got out into the world. And it was the way that he showed, you know, he entered the, the secular world in many respects and into different cultures. And he was able to, therefore, bring his message about the sacred there. 
Well, that's why he's a saint today, mm-hmm. and he shows us the Pope love his love for Jesus Christ and his mission on humanity. You know, I'm also very impressed, Dr. Malady, that you were the president of the American University of Rome from 1997 to 2003. This is quite a title. You have such a rich background in uh, in the university administration, teaching, corporate management, global communications. What did you love about this career? You know, uh, being president of a university, um, I kind of learned from my husband <laughs> since he had been a president. Um, he spent quite a bit of time with students, and uh, that was his focus. And every time, you know, he had a decision to make, he would try to say, well, you know, what is good for the students? What is the you – know, that's the reason why we're here. So um, I, I try to do the same. And the university was composed of students who um, about 40% were really there for uh, a degree, and the other 60% were actually study abroad students from the United States. And those students were coming to enter a different culture, and that's what we tried to do. We tried to have them appreciate that culture and understand it and be welcoming and use their their curiosity to find out more. And um, and at the end of their semester or year, they were, you know, in tears because they were leaving Italy. <laughs> and so it was just a, it was really a wonderful experience. I think that was what I loved most about it. I know. How do you live in Italy and have all that great food and culture <laughs> and, and diplomacy? And then your husband, as an American ambassador, then becomes the U.S. ambassador to Uganda. Or was it Bur- Bur- Burundi? Which one was um, first? Okay, Burundi was first, and that was in, um, in the 1970s. Um, and he... Um, he went to Burundi first. We were there for about two and a half years, and then we went to Uganda. But you have to understand that my husband was an African specialist, so that's why he was chosen for those posts. And um, we used to travel in Africa for, you know, well, he used to do it every summer, and I would go along a couple of times. Um, and it was, it was wonderful. Um, again, traveling... In Africa in the 60s and, and you know, in 70s was so wonderful. I mean, and we had had many African friends, uh, students who had come to New York at the time to uh, study and from Uganda, from East Africa, from other parts of Africa as well. And so East Africa was really one of my favorite places. So going to Burundi to live was quite nice. Now, of course, we also had our children. They yes, were two and four at the time. Christina and Monica. Mm-hmm. And we took advantage of uh, traveling as much as we could to neighboring countries. And we went to the game parks. And it was it was really quite a good experience. Well, and living in Uganda, is this, uh, did you write the book about Aidid Amin yeah, Dada? Or right. Did you write it after you lived there or while you were living there? Uh, and you also call him the Hitler in Africa. Right, yeah. Because we, we left Burundi, um, and but then we went to Uganda. And Uganda at the time was, was being ruled by Idi Amin. And... Um, we were there for maybe a year, um, and then Tom was recalled because of his um, refusal to um, 
well, to back down, you might say, of a statement that he made against the Jews. You know, that was a very sad part of living in Africa at the time because we had had so many friends, lovely friends in Uganda, and they were living in fear. It was hard to visit them because we didn't want them to be tagged with um, with a, a U.S. friend, so to speak, and therefore be targeted by the dictatorship of Idi Amin. And some of them were killed while we were there. Oh my God. Uh, we had a priest friend who was killed. I was um, going to ask you about your Catholic faith. There. Yeah, did you it, uh, were it allowed was, to practice it? I, I you? tell you, um, I well, we we would, yeah, we were. There was a local church there. We were able to go to that and practice our faith. But it was hard. The people were having a hard time at the, you know, really hard time. So it was it was a sad experience. And we wrote the book after we came back. Actually, when after Tom was became president of Sacred Heart. He was asked to write about it because he was giving talks on it. And um, so we sat down and wrote the book then. Well, you are listening to Dr. Margaret Milady on Catholics in the Capitol. She's our very special guest. Please stay tuned to WMET 1160 AM. Catholics in the Capital will return right after this break on 1160 AM WMET. Not sure what gift to get for your loved one or what book to read next? Go to Pascal Lamb. Pascal Lamb is a full-service Catholic bookstore and gift shop. Located in Fairfax, Virginia, Pascal Lamb has a large variety of top-quality merchandise and a knowledgeable staff. We're open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. For more information, call 703-273-5956 or shop online at pascallamb.com. CMF Curo is the Catholic health care ministry that is affordable and fits into your family's health care needs. But don't take our word for it. Here's what our members say. We join primarily to gain peace of mind that any medical bills we incurred would be paid for and especially to avoid financially assisting the culture of death. We were thrilled to learn the cost of membership was significantly lower than average health care costs. Learn more at MyCatholicHealthCare.com. CMF Curo, healthcare fully alive. Here at 1160 AM WMET, one of the things that we love to do is evangelize through the airwaves. If you want to help us evangelize through the airwaves by evangelizing on the roadways with an 1160 AM WMET bumper sticker, it's very easy. All you have to do is give us a call or email us at WMET at GRNonline.com and we'll send you out an 1160 AM WMET bumper sticker. Are you looking for a school for your daughter, grades 6 through 12, that offers an inspiring education grounded in the teachings of the Catholic Church? Oak Crest School, an independent all-girls school, has been doing that for over 40 years. For more information or to set up a tour at its beautiful new campus centrally located in Vienna, Virginia, go to oakcrest.org forward slash W-M-E-T. That is oakcrest.org forward slash W-M-E-T. Donnie, what are the mysteries that we pray on the rosary? Glorious, luminous, joyful, and sorrowful. There you go. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to WMET 1160 AM or simply log online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. 
Welcome back to Catholics in the Capital. Here's your host, Christina Cox. Welcome back. I am Christina Cox, your radio host for Catholics in the Capital. And today we have our weekly guest with us, Father Jack Hurley from the Cathedral of St. Matthews. Hi, Father Jack. How are you? Fine, thank you. After the holiday. Yes. A wonderful Christmas. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I did too. Well, now we're moving into 2018 coming up. And we always start the church calendar with a holy day dedicated to the Blessed Mother. Can you tell us about that? Yes. On New Year's Day, the church begins another year as it right off honors Mary and her special role as Mother of God, as Mother of the Saviors, whose birth we had just celebrated. In his book, The Feast, How the Church Here Forms Us as Catholics, Cardinal Donald Wuerl notes that the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, January 1st, is a very ancient feast. The 5th century Council of Ephesus, which affirmed Jesus' true divinity and true humanity, also declared Mary to be Theotokoth, God-bearer. And as Mary is the mother of Jesus, so she is the mother of God. There can be no greater honor for a human being, points out Cardinal World. And so it is appropriate to begin the year by honoring one who is also our mother. Through baptism, we became children of God's family as brothers and sisters of Christ. And since Jesus is our brother, his father is our father, and his mother is our mother. And this is spelled out here in the Washington Archdiocese, where Mary, Mother of God, is our special patroness. The church downtown named in her honor is a special indication of her designation as our mother in the words of Jesus on the cross to the Apostle John, who there stood for us all. Incidentally, the beautiful stained windows in this church downtown dedicated to Mary, Mother of God, recalls the German-American Catholic heritage of the church, both in the early United States and here in Washington. This was a section of downtown with the German population that then, in time, became Chinatown, and now is a sports and entertainment center with many international restaurants. And the, indeed, the metro station is called Chinatown Gallery Place. I especially love the reference in the dogmatic constitution on the church of the Second Vatican Council, Lumen Gentium, on Mary's motherhood in the order of grace. They note that when she was taken up into heaven, she did not lay aside the saving role, but continues by her intercession for all to gain for us the gifts of eternal salvation. In her maternal love, she cares for the brothers and sisters of her son as they journey on earth in the midst of dangers and hardships until they are brought safely home to the happiness of heaven. Could it be impressed on us much more than in those words of the Hail Mary, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. 
Amen. Amen. Now, Father Jack, I know that church very well. Mary, Mother of God, that's down, I think it's on 5th. That's right. Fifth Street. Mm-hmm. It's in my book. I did some research down there. And you're right, there were a lot of German people that really went to that church, I think, in the 1940s around wartime. And I remember the pastor telling me that the novenas to the Blessed Mother on Mondays were all day long. Oh, my. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of history. And now you're right. It's uh, part of Chinatown, and they also have a Chinese mass there as well, I believe. Well, that is a beautiful prayer and a lot of information about Mary, the Mother of God, which will be January 1st. Thank you for sharing that, Father. Right, and since it is January 1st, both to honor Mary and to seek her intercession for the upcoming year, it's certainly very commendable to go to Mass. Well, I hope our listeners hear that. Yes, it's very important. Let's ask Mary to intercede for some of the things that we need in our life and prayers. Now, we're thinking about the saints that are at the end of the month of December, and I know you have a good one to talk about today. Well, the the day after Christmas, the day after celebration of the birth of Christ, December 26, the vestments at Mass, surprisingly, are suddenly red, representing the blood of martyrs. It is the feast of the first Christian martyr, St. Stephen. Stephen was one of the first chosen deacons, Stephen was an outspoken apologist defender of the crucified Christ and proclaimer of his resurrection from the dead and ascension into heaven. And thereby, Stephen infuriated those Jewish leaders who accused him of blasphemy. But instead of being quiet, Stephen in turn accused them of resisting the Holy Spirit, of persecuting the prophets, and of betraying and murdering Jesus, the righteous one. And so they dragged him out of the city and stoned him to death. Before which, however, as with Christ, he forgave his attackers, much like the crucified Savior. St. Paul, then known as Saul, was actually there too, consenting to his death, before, of course, his later conversion. And this, so then, this is a day when we reflect on Stephen's sacrifice on behalf of Christ. For some, it is a time to attend Mass and quietly reflect on this outcome of the joyous, amazing occurrence celebrated the day before. And we are reminded that Jesus was born so as to die, so that we might live eternally. And yet, various traditions have also evolved of quite different nature. Here in the United States, it may be a time to exchange or return presents. In England, it is referred to as Boxing Day. This is a time when the well-off aristocracy would box presents for the castle staff, who had to be on duty, of course, the day before Christmas, in order to assist the noble family in their celebration. My mother would recall for us the time when she was a girl in rural Ireland She would join children in going from cottage to cottage, crying out, the wren, the wren, and seeking a few pennies or else. It was a lot of fun tied in with legends, for example, that accused the poor bird of betraying Stephen when he supposedly was in hiding from those seeking to stone him. Yet another tale blamed the wren for alerting the marauding Vikings that Irish natives were trying to prevent their attack. And here in Washington, 
Not far from the cathedral, we have the Church of St. Stephen Martyr on Pennsylvania Avenue near George Washington Hospital, which recalls this prototype of first martyr, the first of countless followers of the newborn Savior who sacrificed their lives on earth for their eternal Redeemer. Thank you, Father Jack, for always uh, joining us weekly. It's a delight to have you here, and God bless you, and we wish you a very happy 2018. Thank you, and you too. Thank you, Father. We're going to take a short break, and when I come back, we're going to have Dan Dan, the radio man, and he will join us about things to do in Washington, D.C. All this and more. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network and being part of the family. As family, we have a duty to pray for each other, and we would be honored if you would let us pray with you and for you. You don't even have to tell us your name. Just go to our website, grnonline.com, or call our prayer request line and leave us a message at 800-395-4008. That's 800-395-4008. We will be praying for you every day. This time of year is a time to celebrate the abundance of God's blessing in our lives and also to remember those among us who struggle with poverty. Catholic Charities of the Diocese of Arlington are looking for people to put together care bags for those in need. Catholic Charities will distribute the care bags using their mobile response center vehicle. To learn more about the Care Bags Project, how to put the bags together, and where to drop the bags off, contact Sally O'Dwyer at sodwyer at ccda.net. Hey, Donnie, what do we say when we make the sign of the cross? In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Did Mama teach you that? As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to WMET 1160 AM or simply log online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Hi, I'm Christina Cox, and we're back at Catholics in the Capitol. And now we come to the fun part of the show, and we talk about what great things are there to do in Washington, D.C. And joining me today is Dan, the radio man, our general manager. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? I'm great, Christine. How are you? I'm doing great. Lots of things happening in Washington. Lots of exhibits going on. So, yeah, tell us. I think we had a couple this week, uh, new events uh, for you to tell listeners about. Tell us about the first one up. Well, the most popular one that's out right now is Vermeer and the Masters. And this is a great uh, landmark exhibition that examines the life of the artist and all his contemporaries from 1650 to 1675. And in the exhibition, it brings together 65 of Vermeer's work. So there's quite a line of people trying to get in to see this exhibit. It hasn't, something like this hasn't been put together in quite a long time. And it's at the National Gallery of Art. And an interesting thing about Vermeer, he's a, he's a Dutch painter, but he's actually a convert to the Catholic faith. He actually, uh, his wife was Catholic, and he, so I think that was the impetus for why he converted to Catholicism. But yeah, very interesting piece. Well, Vermeer is, uh, is a great artist, and it's uh, something for everyone to enjoy. 
And then, you know, what else is going on, Dan, is Renoir and his friends. Do you know the famous painting, uh, The Luncheon of the Boating Party, where Renoir got together all his friends in the town, and they were all drinking wine, sitting at the table, and he painted them all in? Well, that's happening at the Phillips Collection, and I would definitely recommend to go see that. There are many paintings. Uh, there are going to be over 40 chosen works, paintings, drawings, pastels, watercolors, photographs from the public and private collections. So grab your wine and your wife and get down there and see that, and it's going to be a wonderful exhibit. Wonderful. And then is there anything else we got going on around town? Well, are you a collector of, I mean, are you a, um, in your family, do you have dogs or cats? Unfortunately, I am not a pet person, so You're no, I don't, I don't have person. any pets. Well, I'm a cat person, okay. and I would say I'm interested in seeing divine felines, cats of ancient Egypt. And this is where the cats have the personality, and they have cat coffins and representation of cat-headed goddess and all kinds of paintings and objects, because in Egypt, they believe that the cat was sacred. So that's going to be at the uh, Freer and the Arthur Slackler Gallery, and that is also a free exhibit and great for the whole family, especially kids. Maybe your daughter would like to see that. Possibly. She might yeah, be interested, yeah, to see uh, Egyptian uh, take on uh, felines. So that would be interesting. And so we have the Vermeer and Masters genre painting. We have Renoir and Friends, and we have the Divine Felines. Christina, is there one in particular that you're excited to see yourself? Well, I'm going to see The Loving Vincent. The new movie that is out is playing at the Avion Theater, and that is about the life of Van Gogh. And it took over 100 artists to put that together, and I hear that's a wonderful movie, so don't miss that. Okay, definitely. That sounds great. So this week, plenty of events. Thank you for these wonderful tips, and uh, uh, exciting to learn about all these exhibits and events going on, and thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you, Dan. Dan, the radio man, has joined us again. See you soon. Christina Cox will be right back with part two of her interview with Dr. Margaret Milady right here on 1160 AM WMET, the Guadalupe Radio Network. Rejoice, be glad. If this does not sound like you, then you need to go to rejoicebeglad.com. Author Melanie Rigney provides wonderful and inspiring stories on the lives of Catholic women saints. This website is filled with insights, resources, and articles on saints. For Guadalupe Radio listeners, for a limited time, go to rejoicebeglad.com forward slash GRN for a package at special pricing. That's rejoicebeglad.com forward slash GRN. Here at 1160 AM WMET, one of the things that we love to do is evangelize through the airwaves. If you want to help us evangelize through the airwaves by evangelizing on the roadways with an 1160 AM WMET bumper sticker, it's very easy. All you have to do is give us a call or email us at WMET at GRNonline.com and we'll send you out an 1160 AM WMET bumper sticker. For all you listeners out there who want to help WMET 1160 AM with a capital campaign to purchase a station, we are looking for volunteers to give short presentations on our behalf. If you're interested and want to learn more, please call us at 877-636-1160 or email us at WMET at GRNonline.com. That is 877-636-1160 or at WMET at GRNonline.com.
Hi, I'm Christina Cox, your radio host for Catholics in the Capitol. And we are with Dr. Margaret Milady, who is president of the Sovereign Military Order of Malta. Welcome, Margaret. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. It's wonderful to be here with you. Dr. Milady, you have a lot of faith, and I wonder if it comes from helping others. You're always giving to others, doing so many things, and you're the president of one of the most prestigious organizations within the Catholic Church, the Order of Malta. Tell our listeners who don't know what the Order does and what their mission and traditions are. What is the Order of Malta? Well, the Order of Malta was actually formed in Jerusalem, and it was um, more than 900 years ago. Fra Gerard, Blessed Gerard, started a hospice to help pilgrims. And in those days, pilgrims would walk, sometimes take a ship, and walk again to Jerusalem on their pilgrimage. And they would get there in very bad shape. And so he opened a hospice to help care for these pilgrims coming to Jerusalem. He attracted various other people as they came to Jerusalem, including knights on crusades. And so when they came to Jerusalem, they found Brother Gerard caring for the sick and the poor, and many of them joined with him, decided to stay and be with him to do that same caring. And so they really developed quite a community there in Jerusalem. Um, But eventually, they were forced out uh, with Turkish invasions, and they went then to Rhodes. And from Rhodes, uh, in Rhodes, they built quite a community. They have, and, and if you go to Rhodes today, you'll yes. see some of those um, forts and, and churches and hospitals that they built. So and they're still every, standing. So every place they went, they formed, they built, and they formed a hospital and took care of people medically and just giving them proper care. We have a um, kind of a story that Brother Gerard served the sick and the tired on silver plates. Really? And treated them as our lords, our lords, the sick. And we've still used that when we go on pilgrimage to Lourdes. That's kind of like Mother Teresa seeing the face of Jesus and the poor. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. And then from Rhodes, uh, they were forced out of Rhodes, and they went to the island of Malta. And that's where you will see, again, many buildings and the churches that they built at the time and the hospital. So every place they went, they did the same thing. Um, They were forced out of uh, Malta by Napoleon, and then they kind of wandered in Europe a bit until the Pope invited them to come to Rome, and that's where their headquarters are today. I see. You know, I'm looking at the coat of arms, which is very beautiful, and I see the rosary within that. Mm -hmm. Do you know anything about that? Well, uh, our devotion to Mary is very, very strong, and in fact, We uh, made a decision um, a number of years ago to go to uh, Lourdes in France uh, on pilgrimage and take some of our sick there with us. And that has been a tradition. And now we go from all over the world. Our our members from all over the world bring pilgrims 
in early May, and we all arrive there. We have thousands, thousands there. And um, we ourselves in our federal association here, in uh, headquartered here in Washington, we take about 350 people, and about, uh, about 50 of them are actually sick. And we, we bring them to Lourdes, and we do the same thing that Brother Gerard has been doing. Mm-hmm. We care for them entirely for that week, take care of them, and pray with them. So you went to Lourdes in 2017? Yes. Was it in the spring? Uh, in May. Oh, in May. Yeah. And uh-huh. then you and you brought these 50 people. Did yes. they go within the baths there? Oh, yes. The waters? Yes, and we take them into the baths. We do the processions. They're, you know, As you know, if you've been to Lourdes, they have carts that you mm-hmm. use. And so our sick ride in the carts, and we push them and pull them. And... and um, we eat with them. We uh, do various other. Every day we have mass. We have processions. Uh, we do the Stations of the Cross with them. We have the blessings um, uh, from the water. Of course, we take them to the baths. And believe me, I've seen some really interesting experiences there. I had one woman who um, she had a hard time walking. She was on crutches. And she went into the baths, and when she came out, she could walk. That's amazing. I was going to ask you, first of all, as you're serving a person that could be terminally ill or, uh, you know, handicapped, you know, there's also the receiving fact that when you're giving and helping another person, you're spiritually uplifted as well. Exactly. And then they're inspired by the hearing, you know, prayers and the masses and all that. You almost wonder if it's uh, Jesus healing them or are they healing themselves? I mean, what are you feeling? You know, it's true. Um, we always tell everyone going, um, you know, don't expect miracles, <laughs> physical miracles. What you're really looking at is to be at home with Christ through Mary. And so that wonderful uh, piece of, you know, might say looking forward to coming home is what we try to bring to our pilgrimage. And everyone experiences it, uh, everyone. And we've had, uh, of course, we also bring doctors and nurses uh, to actually make sure that they are cared for at the time. But we've had a number, uh, this year we had a few of our malades who actually, we call them malades, by Mm -hmm. the way, the, the French word for sick, um, we had a few of them actually, when they returned home, became worse and actually died. Really? But the, the expressions that we received, we've had letters, you know, how wonderful it was to have that period uh, to where have that we time. prepared. We prepared. Yes. Well, to meet our Lord. When uh, God calls us home, we all have to go there, and right. some go earlier than others. Mm-hmm. But you're right, to be able to share yeah. with loved ones. With have the support of people that love and care for you, and right. to have that religion, uh, but that religious aspect. We do many other things, uh, of course. You know, not just the pilgrimage to Lourdes, but we. Um, uh, our our mission is really to support the poor and the sick and those people in need. And we have in our regions, for example, in the United States, we have three associations of the Order of Malta. And our association, the Federal Association, is we have about a thousand members. 
Mm-hmm. And we are located in various regions. Um, it spans, you know, from the Washington area down over to uh, Memphis, uh, down to Houston, Texas, over to Florida, and in between. And we have a couple of other places in Chicago and Kansas City. But in all of those places, we do programs for feeding the hungry, taking care of having clinics for the sick, uh, doing uh, work for the homeless, for example, homes for the homeless. And we've recently, in the past so many years, maybe about five years, we have developed together in the United States, all three associations, a program to help the incarcerated. Wow. So we have a prison ministry right now. That's very nice. And we work, we try to visit the prisoners. But an interesting thing is we also have a pen pal program. So we have members writing to people in prison. And uh, it's been a very effective way of, um, because, you know, many of these prisoners, they leave family and no one, no one wants to contact them. That's amazing. So, and you could change somebody's life right. just by writing them a letter or giving right. them some hope. Yeah. I had a friend who wrote to somebody in a prison and he converted to Catholicism. And he had told me that I was amazed uh, that he had such an effect. He, he happens to be a very religious person himself. But the Order of Malta is reaching out in so many different ways. How many members are there? I mean, you said there's a thousand in the federal. Yeah, and there are about, I'd say, another 1,800 in the American Association, which is located in New York, and then we have on the Western Association about 800. So all told in the United States, we've got, what, um, quite a few. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, and then in the world, we have 13,500 members. That's, so, that's a big uh, number. And Do you ever get together with all 13,000? Uh, no, not all 13,500, <laughs> but representatives of them. <laughs> and when we go to Lourdes, of course, you know, many of them come. But it's a wonderful organization, and we're all there to further our own spiritual and life. We're on a path to meet our Lord eventually, and that's our, our goal. But to do that, we have a very specific way that we try to do that. As I pointed out, we have programs for helping the poor and the needy, but it's hands-on work. We must do our own hands-on work. So each one of us serves in some way, um, doing something very practical with the people that we serve. Well, if somebody wants to become a member or a volunteer, let's say, how would they go about to do that? Very easily, you can go on to our website. You know, we have Order of Malta Federal. If you're in that particular area, you can look it up. And from there, you can get to the international site and other sites of of the American Association and the Western Association. So it's Order of Malta Federal, Order of Malta American, Order of Malta Western, Order of Malta International. So kind of easy. Just get to the website. You can find out all of the news and, and ways to contact us. Well, thank you for that information. Dr. Milady, will there be more books? Oh, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) What do you have on the agenda? What are you working on? Well, after I finish this service uh, to the order, I really want to just do kind of the things that we're talking about today. Just talk about some of my interesting experiences in life and to kind of go through some of those areas where uh, I think would be interesting for people to read about and kind of 
see how thankful I am. I mean, I think it's going to be a journey for myself, you know, of saying thanks. Uh, thank you, God, for giving me all these wonderful ways in which I can express uh, what your world is all about. And thank you, Dr. Malady, for joining us today for this beautiful interview about your extraordinary life, the life that you had with your husband, Thomas Patrick Malady, who was uh, served under many presidents, your own resume of so many uh, talents that you have, president of the Federal Association Order of Malta, former president of the American University of Rome, and all the an author of so many books. We want to thank you for joining us. So my last question is, what would you tell us about Catholic faith? Uh, Catholic faith today, wonderful. I mean, I have met so many wonderful people, and I think that really encourages me um, to say that we're alive, we're, we're uh, faithful to our Pope, and we are at peace, I think, with uh, ourselves and, and our church and we have some wonderful, wonderful priests, and we need to pray for our priests and make sure that we encourage others to enter the priesthood. Well, that we was need them. beautifully said. Well, God bless you and the girls, Christina and Monica, and your grandchildren, and we look forward to having you back again. Thank you. Thank you, thank Dr. Milady. Well, that was some interview. I'd like to thank Dr. Margaret Milady for joining us today. We will pray for her and for her work with the Knights of Malta. Well, you're not going to want to miss next week. We have two exciting guests coming on. One is Dr. Tony Zeiss. He is the executive director of the Museum of the Bible. And Dr. Tony is going to share with us all the news about this great new museum and what's inside. Eight floors of outstanding exhibits, and the Vatican Library has a special gallery as well. A theater, a radio station, a shop, and much, much more. You're going to want to get over there, but don't forget to go to their website and get your tickets ahead of time and book in the hour because they're quite busy. Dr. Tony is going to tell us about the ribbon cutting that went on um, with all the dignitaries that were there and how their opening of the museum went. So I can't wait to go there as well. You're going to want to hear that next week. We're also going to meet a friend of mine, an outstanding artist, Louise Peralta Del Valle, who will share with us his story of faith. Once his faith in God drifted away, but then he started to paint the popes and the saints, and through his paintbrush, his faith came back stronger than ever. It's an inspiring story about how God used Louise's talent to bring him closer to the Roman Catholic Church. And after that, we're going to catch up with Dan Dan, the radio man, and he's our general manager here at WMET radio station. Dan will also be co-hosting with me on the show with interviews and chatting up some of the fun events that are happening here in the district. And we will talk about some new exhibits and what's happening around town, and you won't want to miss that. I also want to thank Michael Wasserbaugh, our radio producer and announcer, and he makes our show shine like a diamond. He's an outstanding radio talent, and details of sound and editing for Catholics in the Capitol radio show are a work of art. Thank you, Mike. And thank you to our friend Father Jack Hurley, who was a wonderful priest from the famous Cathedral of St. Matthews. And it's located downtown Washington. You'll have to visit there. Father will be joining us next week with prayers and reflections of the saints. 
in need of a prayer for yourself or for a friend, or are you praying for a new job or for someone to get well, then send me an email to Christina Cox at grnonline.com, and we will pray for you. Or go to our Catholics in the Capital Facebook page. As we are turning to the new year, let us remember that January 1st is the day of Mary. Let us say a prayer to Mary, the Mother of God. Will you pray with me? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. Such a beautiful prayer, my friends. May your prayers be answered this Christmas season. I am Christina Cox, your radio host for Catholics in the Capital, and don't forget to tune in next Friday at 1 p.m. We will be here during the Christmas season. See you in the new year, and be safe. May God bless the Roman Catholic Church, and God bless America. Stay tuned for Call to Communion coming up next.